Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and shortly we will be starting our next episode. We will be providing you tools, resources, and information that you can use to make your life just a little bit better. But before we do that, let's honor our country, and then we'll begin the podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is Brad Richard, the host of Men on a Mission podcast. I want to thank all of you for joining us again for episode 50. Episode 5-0 brings back memories of my book, Man at 50. So this is kind of a special episode. It is episode 5-0. And tonight I have a special guest all the way across the pond, actually a couple ponds. Uh, he is from Australia, and his name is Dr. Christian uh, Heim, and he is uh, he's my guest for tonight. Let me tell you a little bit about um, Dr. Heim. He is a award-winning psychiatrist, music professor, and a Churchill Fellow. During his 20 years as a doctor, 13 as a psychiatrist, he has heard the stories of thousands of people combining science, entertainment, and large doses of Australian humor. He speaks from a place of deep compassion and authority on mental health issues that are affecting us all in this new normal. Anxiety, depression, addiction, personality issues, trauma, suicide, and relationship breakdown. His latest book, The Seven Love Types, Navigating Love, in a fractured world has just been released. So that is an opening bio for my guest. And uh, and Christian, I, I want to welcome you to the show. I welcome you to the podcast. Yeah, all the yeah, way Brad, from, uh, from Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Australia seems a long way away, but uh, thanks to our technology, it it actually isn't. We the world is getting smaller in some ways, but it's a real privilege for me to be here, Brad. Um, I've, I've been looking at your website and seeing some of the work that you do, and um, we're here to help other people get through this crazy thing called life, and um, that's what we're here about tonight. Absolutely. Um, there are so many, so many areas uh, that, that you have dealt with in your career, a uh, very long career, and uh, you know the Men on a Mission podcast is about um, U.S. veterans and, and yep. men, men and women and their families. 
And yep. just tell the listeners a little bit about what you do now and kind of what brought you to, you know, your current mission, you know, and what you're working on currently. Okay. Um, just before I do that, I want to put uh, the work that I've done with veterans into context because uh, in my role as a psychiatrist, as a private psychiatrist, most of all of that time has been spent uh, with, with veterans, uh, with people who have experienced trauma. For men in particular, that, that means combat trauma. Uh, that means uh, trauma associated with service. And so this whole world of what it means to be a soldier or part of the Navy or part of the Air Force or just, just part of defending your country uh, has been a new experience for me. And, uh, and that's, that's actually been uh, a wonderful insight into another aspect of this, uh, th this life that we all sort of have. So uh, a big part of my life has to do with uh, trauma and combat trauma. And yeah, that, that's sort of my subspecialty. Now I've, uh, uh, I've moved to a place where due to the coronavirus uh, crisis that we're all going through, uh, a lot of my work is online, but I also work for smaller hospitals because Brad, what I like is people. I like people contact, all right? I like to see the same people every day and smile. And um, that's kind of become more precious to all of us. Don't you find, Brad, that during this crisis time that we're really finding how important people are? Yeah, it's, it's a connection that when you, when you take that away from people, yeah, I mean, they feel kind of, they feel kind of lost. Um, in the military, connecting with your fellow soldiers is yep. is is a survival technique, it, yep. and it is a security blanket. And so, I, th without yep. that connection, it is yeah, it's really uh, really difficult to function on your own. So, in fact, yes. it's 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 amazing. I, I mean, yes, it is a, a survival technique because we all actually need each other to survive. But uh, a lot of the vets that I've worked with. Uh, let me know that their time of service was the most important time of their life because they made such great connections with people. They had such great friends. It felt good to be a human being working alongside other people that oh, quite literally you would die for. That's how important it was. Well said. <laughs> I've said, I've said almost those same words in previous episodes, yeah, yeah. you know, how it, how it's so important that is a contributing factor in so many uh, lives of veterans after they're separated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they are missing a huge part of themselves when they come back into, uh, you know, civilian world, uh, which is more me-centered, me, me, me. Uh, yes, everyone, it is. Everyone has yes. an individual mission, not a group mission. And well, so, and that's, yeah, no, no. Uh, sorry, Brad, I just want to pick up on what you said there because... Uh, with the coronavirus crisis that we're in, it really is like a war situation that, that we are at war with the virus. And so we've actually got a lot to learn from people who know how to band together as soldiers on the one side and support each other through this coronavirus crisis because we're actually battling an enemy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That just was was spot on. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, that was so good the way that, you know, the way that you put that, uh, together, 
I kind of look at the situation with uh, the coronavirus and the challenges that we're having here in the U.S. Yep. I've called for or and you know I've kind of put the the seed out there to come up with a national mission statement. Yeah. Uh, um, specifically, you know, for veterans uh, that they can sign on to and yep. uh, and and be part of a of a national mission to yep. help help their cities and their counties and their states and to help other veterans, you know? So yes. that's, yeah, that whole thing just kind of, kind of ties in there. There was like a per- perfect opening, you know, for that. Now, when, yeah, it does. when, when you say that you've worked uh, with, with veterans, what type of traumas or what type of situations did, did you come in contact with? And if you can share like some of the results uh, or, or some yeah. of the more difficult, you know, uh, situations that you came came across. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, most of my professional career as a psychiatrist has been as a um, a private psychiatrist in general adult psychiatry. Now, but I was affiliated with a hospital that had a very strong um, trauma program. Okay, where uh, Vets from firstly uh, Vietnam and uh, more recently from Afghanistan uh, would be put through a whole course, uh, basically dealing with all the problems that that vets uh, have to deal with because it's not easy, as you know, Brad. Okay, and the great part of that was a group therapy dynamic. Okay, where uh, people would get together and help each other out to share insights to get other people that feeling, you know what, you're not alone in this. Because um, before we started, Brad, you were telling us about how many vets you are losing to suicide every day in the United States. And, and that's, that's very saddening, you know. And uh, here in Australia, uh, we have lost 10 times the number of vets to suicide than we lost during the whole of the Afghanistan conflict, okay? So something's going wrong, right? But as a psychiatrist, I would then work one-on-one with somebody and we would work through what needed to be worked through so that we could process all the emotions that have to do with the combat trauma, okay, or, or any other trauma, quite frankly. And uh, as you know, a lot, of, a lot of vets keep these traumas locked deep inside because who wants to talk about them, right? Right. But, but while they're affecting your relationships your relationship with alcohol, the anger that comes up in you, right? And your feeling of self-worth, right? Uh, it's, 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 it's like a, a boil that's full of pus. You sort of got to uh, get in there, get it all out, clean it all up so that the damn thing can heal. And, right. and it, I've, I've loved to see it because I have seen it heal. And there are a, a lot of vets that go through that healing process and go, oh, my God, I can actually have a normal life now, you know, or more of a normal life. It all depends on how severe the trauma is. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think uh, when it comes to veterans, do you think that a group therapy is, is a better um, is a better model for them than one on one? Well, it's it's. It's kind of not, not an either or. It's it's actually it's actually both. Okay, and um, the other question that I get is: it better to have a talking therapy or to use medication? And it's sort of like there's not a rule. You use both. You use whatever works, whatever helps. All right. So I will use medications. I will do 
one-on-one -on -one talking therapy. I will encourage people to go to groups and it's all got its role to play. And the other thing is the partners of veterans as well, all right? They have their needs. They've got to be understood. And sometimes when I first meet somebody, uh, this happens often, all right? The first thing that needs to be rescued is actually their relationship, all right? Because somebody's on the verge of leaving them uh, and you understand why. And the thing is, you can't sort of wait a couple of years before we've got anger or drinking under control. You've got to save the relationship. So sometimes I will go straight into relationship work. It really all depends on which, uh, 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 on the, the thing that each individual person uh, needs. So, so Brad, I'd, I'd say to you, it's, it's all helpful and we all do what, what helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, just looking at the, the you know the group the group ther uh, therapy. I know generally yeah. speaking, veterans work better as a group. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's no um, there's no I and team. You know that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. And so, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they they tend to work better, and 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 with with vets, at least the vets that I've encountered and that I've that I've served with, if there's something that needs to be done it needs to be put in front of them as something to defeat or conquer, or uh, it, it has to be put to them in, in the, in the form of a task. That's exactly right. You yeah, know, yeah. with a, with a starting in, with a starting point and an ending yeah. point. And, and did you, did you see that as, as far as when you worked with individual vets, did you kind of put them um, on a personal mission you know, and they, they to work on themselves and to get themselves better. Uh, and, and so they, you know, they had something to work on. Yeah. Went along with their personality, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the, the thing is, like, you you talked about the, the group situation and how there's no I in team. And you're, you're exactly right. And the thing is about soldiering is you work as a team. Okay. You work well together. So a group situation is just ideal because you're catering to the strengths of people who did work together at a vital time of their life when they needed to work together and they know what working together is all about. And, and for me, the, the real gold in group therapy is the me too experience. Somebody sharing something that they think, oh, I'm the only person in the world that feels this way, okay? And they go, thanks for sharing that. Me too. That's exactly what I feel. And all of a sudden, there's camaraderie. There's that sense of, oh, my gosh, we're buddies going through things together. I'm not alone. So the group situation does that. And then what I would see in a private situation is, firstly, we would talk about what happens in a group situation, but then you do talk about the private needs. You talk about what each individual needs because, Although there's no I in team, okay, you as an individual are part of a team. And there, there comes a point where you've got to have your individual needs met and somebody's got to listen to what you as an individual went through, okay? So, again, you make this bond and you go on a journey. And as a psychiatrist, I get to journey with somebody for a part of their way. And so that becomes part of the therapeutic process there. And of course I have techniques and psychotherapies that I use to get people through what they need to get through. Okay. 
So, it, but that all gets based very individually, Brad. I, I always wanted to ask a psychiatrist this question. Yeah. Uh, and now I have the opportunity to, to, to do so. Yeah, go ahead. Did, did you experience when you worked with individual vets, did you experience them kind of living a life or, or living in front of a mirror and becoming more childlike and be, you know, I mean, along with the insecurities, the anxiety, the fear and, and, and those yep. things, they're not associated with, with a strong man, you know, or, or a strong person, uh, a strong woman. Um, yeah. Those, those are characteristics of, of a child. And did, yeah. did you see them in their, in, in their worst time? Um, were they kind of just uh, kind of living out their childhood when it came to their insecurities and their fears and, and, and them, you know, them not wanting to act or, or act or make changes. Okay. So uh, that's a very profound pre uh, question, Brad. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to go through it because it's a really good question. Okay. Because uh, firstly, I, I have to let you know what, what, what you already know that all that I do happens behind closed doors. Right. And that's actually really important because when you close the doors and you know that nobody else can hear what's going on, you create a safe space for somebody to express whatever they need to express. Okay. And the other thing that's really important is trust. I often call myself a trust doctor because particularly in trauma, okay, it takes so much trust for people to be able to share what they've been through. Okay. So you build up trust over weeks, sometimes months before you get to a really vulnerable state. Okay. Th then you kind of ask, you know, is this like a childlike state? Well, okay. So let's take a five-year-old child. A five-year-old child is uh, ideally in a family where they can be themselves. Okay. Where they feel totally safe, where they feel secure and they can express their emotions and they're going to be accepted for who they are. All right. Now, when you're an adult, okay, and this happens to all of us, we don't always think that we can express who we are or what we're feeling inside. Okay. But after weeks or months of trust building in a environment that you can actually say what you need to, you do, you start to say what you need to, you start to express really difficult things. Sometimes you start to cry. Sometimes you, you act out your rage and your anger, okay? Sometimes you can actually feel joyful just because you're still alive, okay? And all of these things are safely expressed in a psychiatrist's office. As long as the door is closed, Brad, and the person that you're talking to is going to accept who you are, okay? So in answer to your question, yeah, yeah, you do get into childhood states, okay? But that's not to put it down. That's actually to, to say this is part of us and we bury it deep inside ourselves because we're afraid that other people won't accept it. The, the safe space, um, I think that's what, what you call it, the, the safe space, yeah. or they have to be completely confident that this isn't going to go, you know, too far. <laughs> it's, not exactly. leave, yeah. it's not going to leave this room. Um, it's not going to leave the room. That's right. Vets are, vets are very proud. You know, they're, they're, they're proud. And uh, the whole honor 
and uh, you know, say say what you mean and mean what you say, and 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 that's a that's a big thing for all of us. Yeah. And yeah. so, looking at, uh, we only have a couple minutes here uh, before we're going to go to break, yeah. uh, and and we could probably go a lot a lot longer than you know a, a, an hour. Um, but my podcast is an hour, so we may have to have you have you back, you know, uh, in the future. <laughs> when we get back from the break, let let's do this. When we get back from the break, I want to kind of hone in on your thoughts, feedback, ideas, opinions of the sheer number of vets that we're losing to suicide. Uh, okay. tw- Twenty-two, you know, is is kind of the number we hear, but. Um, but I know that that fluctuates some, you know, sometimes it's as high as 24, 26, uh, yeah. per, per day. And I kind of, I kind of want to get your take, uh, your professional opinion on what's driving those numbers yeah. and, and what are, you know, what, what would, what would be three things that we should be focusing in on in helping, you know, bring that number down. Um, okay. there's. There's a lot of stuff there, I know. But when we uh, when we get back from the break, I'd kind of like to, you know, get re- get really into the suicide aspect of it because I think it ties in to the trauma yeah. and yeah. the feeling lost yes, and and uh, living as a civilian and not really having a mission other than a job, just yep. a yep. job. And and yep. they need more than a job because yep. a job's not going to cut it for for a veteran. They need more yep. than that. Uh, something yep. bigger than themselves and a lot of jobs are not. So yep. uh, yeah, I want to, I want to start off our second segment with the suicide numbers, get your take on that. And I also want to cover about your book, the seven love yep. types. And yep. uh, I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I know it's applicable to veterans and, and we're going to talk about that uh, as well. So yep. uh, let's, let's leave it's all great stuff. And like I said, we could go a lot longer, but we're going to go ahead and, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, uh, we'll jump into the suicide numbers and, and we'll, you know, hear your professional opinion on why you think that is so predominant now and why it's increasing. It's not decreasing, even with all the help that's out there, we can't seem to get those numbers to come down. Yeah. So, yep. Okay. All right. Stay with me, uh, folks. We have been talking with Dr. Christian Heim. He is a psychiatrist. Uh, he does live in Australia. He has been a medical doctor for 20 years and 13 years of that as a psychiatrist. So, and he has worked a lot with veterans and trauma and, uh, and all the different issues that, uh, that soldiers you know deal with. He has spent many years working with that. So stay with us. And we will be back after a short break. Welcome our new sponsor, Scars and Stripes Coffee Company. They empower veterans to build their own business using their e-commerce platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran. And your purchase directly impacts the men and women who have served our country. Do more than say, thank you for your service. Order today and empower a veteran. Use vet code Brad Richard at scarsandstripescoffee.com. That's scarsandstripescoffee.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard. We are speaking to Dr. Christian 
Heim. This is episode 50. And in part two of this episode, uh, we're going to get a little deeper into your self-worth. And I have a quote here that I want to read. Your self-worth is in who you are, not in what you do. And so we're, we're going to talk about self-worth uh, and the fact that the, uh, the point that it is, it's in who you are. It's not what you do. It's not what you do for a living or, or uh, you know, what, what, what you do in the world. Uh, it, it goes deeper and it, and it, it's connected to who we are as, as individuals. So we're going to talk about that. We want to get uh, Dr. Heim's opinion on the outrageous numbers of veteran suicides that we are experiencing in the U.S., so um, let's get started with that, with, uh, with segment two. Welcome back, Christian. Thank you. Thank you, And uh, we, we left off part one, and I said in part two, uh, I wanted to get your take. So looking yeah. at those numbers of 22 yeah. to 24 veterans a day, what do you think is driving that? Why can't we get those numbers to come down? Because it seems to be getting worse and is escalating, yes. and it's, it's not going in the right direction. Yeah. So first of all, I, I want to talk about why I believe uh, veterans are at so high a risk for suicide. And it actually fits in with a theory of suicide that comes out of the 1990s. It's called the interpersonal theory of suicide. Uh, it was put together by Thomas Joyner, a psychologist. And he said, look, to be able to take your own life kind of takes two things. You have to want to do that and you actually have to be able to do that. So I'm going to talk about the second one first. Now, to be able to do that, you've actually got to be able to overcome fear. You've got to be able to overcome pain. And kind of death has to be, how should I put it? Uh, sort of you've had to have been exposed to it and it's sort of part of your day to day, okay? And see, this is the thing about soldiers, people in the police force, um, uh, street fighters, uh, anybody who's been in armed com combat, they have seen death, all right? They have seen pain. They have overcome fear. So all of a sudden, those people are at a higher risk of completing suicide themselves. Does that make sense, Brad? Yeah, that is loud and clear. That makes so much sense. Um, they are pre, not predestined. That's not the word I'm looking no. for. But they're, but they're pre, they're predetermined. They have some qualifiers. They, right. they, they have some characteristics and traits that make them more susceptible to choosing that route. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's well put. It's, it's sort easier. of like, that's right. If, if you have seen that, it becomes a possibility in your mind, okay? When you have seen death, when you have seen destruction, when you have actually gone, and this has happened to a lot of people in combat, as you know, well, stuff it, I may die today. So I'm going to give it my all. Okay. So that decision has already been made. Okay. Even if you don't die, you're somewhere in that, in the psyche. Okay. So, and I don't think that people, um, and I'm, I'm in government agencies now, understand that veterans just are at that high risk for that, for that reason. Everybody thinks, okay, sort of, you're not in the army now, you're a civilian now. So that means you're a civilian just like other people. Well, yeah, but you've had an experience that is not just like other people. Right. 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 And, and who makes these decisions? Okay. People who work in offices, psychiatrists that have not had these sort of decisions uh, to make in their own lives because 
psychiatrists make lousy soldiers, right? Just like <laughs> soldiers make lousy psychiatrists, okay? So um, we sort of find a way of equalizing to sort of say, you know what? Let's work together for a better outcome. So that's the first thing, the higher risk because of the exposure. Is there anything you wanted to ask about that, Brad? Because it's the other thing that we can actually work on, okay? So uh, people, why would somebody want to take their own lives? And, and basically our research, and research does help, uh, shows there are two main reasons. One, somebody actually feels like a burden. Somebody will actually come up with the idea that I may be worth more to people dead than alive, okay? And that's a horrible place to get to, but people get to that place. And the second thing is that people feel isolated and disconnected, all right? And it's sort of like, if I'm, if I'm not connected with people, well, who cares? Who cares if I top myself? And that's why I believe that the numbers are still going up because we live in a really strange society, Brad, right? We are feeling disconnected from each other as human beings and we're actually putting worth in what we do rather than who we are, okay? And as cliche as it sounds, love can overcome that. That's, that's awesome sauce right there. Um, yeah, the, just to step back, the, the two things that, you know, that, that you mentioned, um, yeah. obviously the first is they're predisposed and, and they have a <laughs> mindset and they're more, um, they're, more just, they're more susceptible to that bad decision um, because of where they've been and what they've seen. And yeah. then either they don't feel uh like they would be missed you know i, I i'm worth yeah. more you know dead than i am alive and yeah. then the disconnect now when you yeah. say the disconnect from other people um yeah. where they're isolated and they they you know they they feel that they're by themselves yeah. that that takes the separation from the military and that takes it to a whole nother level yeah and and then when covid kicked in that separated the civilians and the veterans even more so, yeah. which heighten the risk and heighten the numbers yeah. to, to a degree. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's a, that, look, that's, that's the way I see it, Brad. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, people who have seen combat, all right, are disconnected to begin with, all right? Um, th there, are, there are people that tell me they relive some scenes in their heads every day, right? Uh, but, but they don't go around telling other people that they relive these scenes in their heads every day. So that means they're already disconnected, all right? They are going through something in their head that they're not sharing with the people around them. That's already a disconnect. When you add to that a COVID crisis where you can't get out of your house to, to connect with other people, if it's over a beer, um, uh, if it's over a, a television series, or if it's over walking the dog, right? That, that just brings people to the brink of, oh, I'm now more disconnected and more isolated, and we're heading in the wrong direction. Absolutely. You know, the, the previous episodes, and, uh, and, and I'm a firm believer of the camaraderie and the networking and being together, coming together or staying together, um, yeah. you know, during the whole COVID thing and, and, the, and the separation and the, the anxiety that that brought uh, amongst civilians and teenagers and the veterans. Uh, it was something I was, you know, I was totally against from the very beginning as well as I am now, you yeah. know, uh, I, yeah. and, and the separation, it, 
you know, I wish it would have never started, but we yeah. need to break that and we need to come back together again. And well, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about that, Brad, is through this separation that we've all had, we actually appreciate each other more, you know, going to say hi to my neighbor or just pass by people and, and give them a smile all of a sudden means a lot more, okay? Uh, when you can't see the whole of your uh, family, like I haven't been able to for months and months, okay? You sort of go, damn it, they're more important to me than I actually realized. Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't know what you got until it's gone. That's, <laughs> that's it, Brad. <laughs> to quote a song. Um, yep, to quote a song, that's exactly right. But the, it's, so, it's so true, yeah, it's, yep. it's so true. Do you think there's other other factors at play? I mean, the, the ones that you have mentioned so far are, yeah. you know, out of this world. Are, I think they're spot on. What yeah. what other contributing factors do you think there are um, with those astronomical numbers? And more importantly, what do you see that we can be doing differently? Because because what we're doing isn't working, obviously. Um, yeah. and I think we need to make changes, and we need to do something quite drastic. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So um, the coronavirus crisis, that's something we're all going through. Okay. And governments all over the world are struggling with that. I I'm going to have to leave that because I'm just hoping that we can all get to a stage where we don't have these lockdowns anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, uh, to vets, to, to people who have experienced trauma, uh, what can we be doing? Now, the difficulty is that the way that health services are set up, there are actually a whole lot of services out there to help, but how should I put it? They're not, they don't cater to that side of our personality that is more uh, stoic, that is the soldier in all of us, all right? Uh, there are, that, like the stuff that you do, the stuff that I do, it all caters to the side that sort of says, hey, you can be the child inside you. You can show your emotions, Okay. You can uh, let go of the feminine side of you. You know, if, if you're male or female, it doesn't matter. We have a softer side in us, right? Now, the thing is that, that vets, they use the soldiering side of them to get through every day. And we're asking them to let go of that. And they're saying, you've got to be joking. That's what keeps me alive. I'm not right. going to let go of that. Okay? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's just not easy to begin with. So the, the way that we can improve our services is to say, look, when you start working with somebody here, you're going to be working with that person for a long period of time, okay? Because you're a person. You're not just a number. You're not just number 857 and we'll allocate you a counsellor, you know, and if that counsellor goes on leave, bad luck, we'll find you another one, okay? Uh, it's got to be um, continuity, so that you can create that space uh, of safety to get to trust another human being. Trusting another human being that becomes another strong rope to get us through the, the torrents of the sea of life that we've got to get through, okay? Mm -hmm. If we can hang on to those ropes, then we will be safer, Brad. Yeah, that's, that, is, uh, that is also spot on. Um, I, I think with, you know, with, what you just said, I, you know, I think it's so important that we continue to build leaders out of the veteran community, find them, identif identify them and help them to understand that they have that leadership model with within them 
and they can implement those skills and the knowledge and the leadership uh, uh, aspect of their personality. They can implement that in a civilian setting because in the civilian world, I've shared this with so many uh, other people. It's like, we need vets more than ever before. Yes. Because so many people are scared and uncertain about so many things. And we need those strong people, uh, those yep. pillars, those, those, yes, those pillars to lean on. And, and, and we, it's like, well, who can you count on? You know, we need you to stay alive because you, you're needed. You're needed now. You'll be needed tomorrow and you'll be needed, you know, a week from now because you need to stand for something and you need to stand with others. And so, yes. Is that enough to keep to keep some of them uh, alive and fighting? Uh, I hope so, but I think it you know needs to be you know more uh, more dramatic than that, and, yeah. and definitely not taking away, like you said, you know, don't be that way. You know, you, you're in the civilian world now. You know, you can't be a soldier here, and and I don't think that's productive. You know, like like you you said, you can't you can't ask them to take that away. You know, like you said, no. I can't do that because that's what keeps me alive. Uh, yeah, well, that's that, that's true. But uh, okay, so the very act of getting together with other people caters to the warm side of our personality. Okay, it, mm-hmm. it caters, if you like, to the more emotional side of our personality. Okay, uh, so let's say if if I'm working with a vet and <clears throat> I'll make him a male, his spouse. All right, uh, I will I will try to get to the stage where. He can just say to uh, his spouse, you know, I relive things in my life every day in my mind that I don't talk to you about. Now, that doesn't mean that you've got to talk about what happened, all right? But just to say that much, all right, it leads to greater understanding for the spouse to say, oh, my God, I didn't know that, all right? And so the spouse becomes softer. The relationship becomes stronger. And you create more of that safe space just within those two people to be able to cope with, hey, there are some emotions going on here that we may not understand. And here's the wonderful thing about people, Brad. People actually love to love each other and love to be understood. It's just so much damn hard work to get there sometimes, right? <laughs> but that's what we all want. That really is what we all want. That, yeah, that really is, uh, that really is the bottom line. Even uh, the toughest marine, uh, the the toughest seal, the the you know the the toughest veteran uh, out there, um, they want to be loved uh, in in I guess in their way or in the way that they need to be loved, and that yeah. that can be a challenge. That that can be a challenge to get to get there. Um, that does lead us into in the last few minutes of of uh, this episode, you know, in this segment. Tell them, I mean, it's been all great stuff and I know we could go on a lot longer, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's great information. And to the listeners of the Men, Men on a Mission podcast, we will have yeah. Dr. Dr. Himes uh, information in the show notes. You can reach out to him, connect with him. And uh, he has a lot more to share and a lot more insight and a lot more uh, helpful resources. And so your, uh, you know, we'll have your links in the show notes so people can reach out to you. It, it won't be the last time that you'll hear him. Um, you know, by all means, you can reach out to him after the podcast airs. So, um, but we, I, I want the listeners to um, hear about your latest book. And uh, we have probably 
five or six minutes left uh, yep. before before we uh, wrap up this uh, this content filled packed episode. And so, tell us about the seven types of love, and if you can bring it kind of back full circle and how it pertains, uh, you know, to my listeners, that would be great. Uh, yeah, most, Love to hear about most it. Most definitely, Brad, because we got to the stage where we talked about the bottom line. Okay. And the bottom line is that we all actually want to be loved. We all want to be able to share love, right? <clears throat> it just takes so much damn hard work to get there sometimes. All right. So as cliche as it sounds that love is the answer, um, there is something in that. And I sort of thought, okay, how are we going to be able to get to the stage where we can share love? If we don't even know all about love, how are we going to be able to show it? And so there have been books on the science of love, but the science of love is quite incomplete. So what I've done is I've put together in this book, the science of love. I do, do talk about the science of it, but I talk about the ancient Greek wisdom of love, which divides love into different types. And I've taken seven of these types. And uh, I talk about uh, the theory of it so that people can understand. And I, I, I do it in a way that people can can understand rather than get into this high flown sort of language. And then I take really practical ways of showing all these different types of love to different people because love with your spouse is one type of love. Love with your children is another type of love. The love between friends and comrades in, in arms, you know, sort of is another type of love. Uh, and there's, there's actually a way of treating strangers so that you're actually showing love rather than contempt from each other, right? And our present society, as you know, Brad, could use some of that. So there are all these different types of love. And uh, when we understand them, then we'll be able to know how to show it. So that's what the book's about. Seven types. I wish we had more time to go through the seven types because that, that, would, be, uh, that would be very interesting. Uh, when it comes to veterans... I would venture to say that a lot of us only know one or two of those seven. Uh, you know, we have, yeah. maybe we haven't experienced all seven, you know, and is one of the seven types uh, like self-love? Oh, uh, uh, self-love. Uh, that actually becomes the last chapter of the book. Okay. Oh, bingo. <laughs> self, self-love and self-compassion. All right. Uh, is is something that's really quite misunderstood because in this me generation, uh, a lot of people think that self-love is putting me above everybody else, okay? Mm. Whereas the way to do it is to see that you're part of the human race, you are um, who you are, not what you do. And when you show love with other people, you show love with yourself as well. And then you feel part of it. Then you feel that you're swimming with other people in a sea of torrents but we're doing this together and together we're stronger, Brad. And soldiers know that. Soldiers really know that. That's a type of love that they do understand. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And they, they probably don't call it that because, you know, some, some macho, macho guys would go, well, you know, I, I don't love you, you know, but I'll die for you. But I'm, That's well, right. I, don't, I don't love you. And it's like, well, you know, so uh, they do experience that. And like I said, they just have different names for it. But, oh, uh, and Brad, and Brad, you hit the nail on the head as to why we need different words for love. Because right. you know we have, we have this one word, love, which all sounds mushy and romantic, you know, and and love is so much more. But if unless we have these different 
words, these different types, like friendship is a type of love, all right? Belonging to a family, that's another type of love, okay? And so when we see these, then we sort of go, yeah, I experienced that, okay? And that's a type of love, and I can enjoy that. Absolutely. Another one that popped into my head would be, you can have the toughest guy out there in the in in the world, uh, and 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 he can speak mean and he can speak tough and and he's filled with testosterone. But if you hand him a small puppy dog, yeah, and, or 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 a kitten, and yep. if they if they look like the dog they had when they were a little boy, it's yep. like that looks just like my snap or whatever yeah. his dog um you, you'll watch that that man's energy change dramatically yeah. and and they yeah. become very loving and nurturing and caring and it's like it's like it's like a metamorphosis and it's like they completely change their their whole chemistry changes right and that's so, exactly right brad yeah you know i'm a, I'm a big uh big supporter of service animals you know yep. service service animals are yep. very important because it gives them it gives them something to love and care for and protect and defend and take care of. And, uh, yep. and, and it puts them on a mission to, to take care of that service animal. And it really saves a lot of their lives, you know? So that's, uh, it does. It does. And actually this is something, it. this is something that I talk about in, uh, in a previous book called uh, five steps to men's mental health, particularly where men have to get in touch with their softer side. All right. right. Uh, which they will, let show with babies, children, and with animals, just as you're talking about. Right? Wow. And, wow. and if, you, if you're a man or a woman, okay, we've, we've, we've got these sides that are kind of uh, a male side and a kind of a female side, uh, and it's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. But, you know, in a wartime, there's, there's not much room for the softer side. When you were laying that out, that last, you know, that last phrase or the last paragraph there that uh, I was like, that could be an entire episode for you and I to go through because uh, <laughs> that was that that's a hot button for me as far as the softer side and the harsher side. Yeah. And uh, and we and we have the ability to 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 bounce back and forth, you know. Oh, yeah. Depending oh, yeah. on and the work. Yeah. Depending on the, the work. The, the stimuli that we have, you know, what's that's in front right. of us, what's, what we're experiencing. That's wow. right. And the work that you do, Brad, in your video course, you know, your, your little me, who are you? What you're doing is you're actually encouraging people to get in touch with their softer side, the side that they were when they were children. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's also where, where somebody's passion, goal and dreams are found. Right. That's, that's usually where they're found. And, and, uh, and I cover, you know, uh, an element of, of self-parenting. And that's something else that, yeah. I, that I cover about us becoming um, parents of ourselves, parents of our small children. And, yeah. and when we control those dreams and we can control the, the uh, unlimited world out there in the eyes of a child, when we control that, then, then we tend to uh, have a greater opportunity to move forward a lot faster, you know, yes. but, but uh, you know, self-parenting is a, is a real important aspect. Um, yeah. It, it's been fantastic. We, we, we need to wrap it up uh, for, for this episode. Um, once again, I want to thank you for being on the episode and uh, being on the men on a mission podcast. Great stuff to my listeners 
definitely check out the show notes. Uh, check out Dr. Christian Heim's uh, website. There are some other links there where you can connect with him as well. And, you know, you're a true servant. You are uh, very open, authentic, and, uh, you know, veterans kind of like it black and white. Uh, and, and that's what we got tonight. So I really appreciate that. Uh, any, any last word uh, for the listeners? And, and then we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Brad, I'm going to leave you with um, a saying that my father gave me. You're a human being, not a human doing. So in other words, your sense of self-worth is who you are, not what you do. And That's Brad, it's been my privilege to be on the show tonight. And the work that you do is great. I hope a lot of people take it up and uh, just move forward on their journey to wholeness in life. So thanks, Brad. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, Dr. Heim. I appreciate you, uh, you being on the podcast. I'm honored to have you and uh, just really great stuff. I love that saying, being human. Uh, yeah. you know, not, you know, not, uh, you're a human being, not a human doing. That's right. Right. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that's right. It, it, you know, that's catchy <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. It, it's, but it's powerful. It, it's, yeah. it's powerful, uh, for sure. All right, folks. Um, this, uh, has been the men on a mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another exciting guest. Uh, once again, thank you, Dr. Christian Heim, for joining us on the Men on a Mission podcast. And I will leave off the podcast like I always do. Love yourself, and more importantly, take care of your little me. Until next time, bye for now. Fight our country's battles in the air of